Hello fellow listeners and viewers, unfortunately in this episode with Fraser Groot his internet connection wasn't the best so there are some audio and video glitches. If you are finding it difficult to watch or listen to this podcast please don't forget you can use the timestamps in the episode's description to navigate to the different subjects. Now on to the show. Welcome everyone to another edition of Kiwi Talks. I am speaking to Fraser Groot, the man who is on a mission to film 10,000 people telling him their dreams. How you doing, bro? Dude, I'm doing good, man. How are you? I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. So uh, tell me how all this began, man. Good question. Um... So it all started as a bet with a mate, bro, over a drink. Uh, 1,472 days ago, I'm going to go with. I'm kind of, I kind of lose track a little bit. <laughs> um, basically, yeah, December the 8th, 2016, just met with my mate at a cafe and I was trying to get him to do it. I was trying to encourage him to do it because he was going to, well, let me just shut this, bro. I'll shut my window. Anyway. So he was traveling to the States for six months and he asked me to give him a challenge to do. And at the same time, Rebel Sport had their Watch Your Why campaign going out. So we plagiarized, so we probably couldn't do it. We'd probably get sued. And it just came to asking someone every day what their dream in life is. Uh, and that was, I don't know, a light bulb moment maybe. And I just clicked and I just went, don't do that. I'm going to do that. And I started the next day and... Yeah, essentially, bro, I've done it every day since. It's going to take me 27 and a half years. My last day doing this is the 25th of April, 2044, and I'll be 50. I just turned 26. So I've got another three decades <laughs> left, two or three decades left. Um, yeah, man, it's my mission in life. So how do you how do you feel you're going to stay motivated for that long? Because usually what happens with people is as time goes on, uh, some tasks or some things in life can become a bit monotonous. Yeah. So what's your plan to stay motivated? <laughs> um, <laughs> well, I guess there's the element of, I kind of, I'm too far in now to stop. Um, there was a point where I probably could have stopped and no one would have cared, but it's, it's probably too far in now. So that's good in the way that I know every day I have to do a drink that's kind of good to have that discipline of I've got to do it. It's basically like brushing my teeth. You've got to brush your teeth each day. Um, but motivation, man, probably half the time I want to quit. It's, there's been a many times where I've got into like 10 PM at night and I haven't done a dream and I've had to force myself to do it. And it's tough, man. Like life gets in the way, you know, I've gone through, rock bottom over a year ago i went through like rock bottom essentially and i still had to do a dream every day um but i know it's just this deep down desire i know i've got to do it and i know i know i'll regret it if i don't do it man so i uh, luckily i don't know i think lockdown was a blessing for me and it kind of re-inspired me because i had to change how i did it a bit which was a good thing i think it sparked that creativity again um, but honestly, bro, it's a battle. I'd be lying if I said every day I've, 
I'm stoked about doing that. It's a massive battle, bro, but it's, I would regret it so much, eh, if I quit. Yeah. I think it's what I'm meant to do, eh? Yeah. Yeah. The reason why I ask is because like, I mean, even with this podcast, sometimes I'm like, oh man, I am so over this. I don't want to do it anymore. You just have those days. So in, in your case, you're doing something that's very, very ambitious and for a long time too. So you said that you, you get to 10 PM at night and you haven't done a dream. Do you just call some random or do you call a friend and be like, <laughs> Hey, I need to do a dream. Uh, yeah, sometimes man, or I just go find someone basically. Uh, the most notable situation when that happened was a few years ago, my, my Nana passed away and I was quite early on. I was in the first like 50 days. And I went, went to Whangarei to the hospital to see her. I didn't bring my camera because I was like, eh, I've done this for like 50 yeah. days. Yeah. I'm over it. I'm going to quit. No one cares about this. And okay, we were coming back from Whangarei back to Auckland and it was like 9 or 10 p.m. at night. And my family basically forced me to go to LJS at the autobahn take my phone because I didn't have my camera and film the dude working at the fast food joint. And, but I, I essentially I'd given up, but uh, luckily I think actually, man, that's one of the big things that motivates me is family and friends. They're a part of it now, you know, um, I'm kind of, I guess everyone knows that I do the dream stuff, especially in my own life. And so they motivate, they motivate me. Like they would keep me accountable. If I haven't, I've got a number of people in my life that if I haven't posted a dream by a certain time, they have to call me to be like, what the heck? So if I haven't posted by 10 PM, I'll have a bunch of people contacting me to be like, why haven't you posted a dream yet? Um, but luckily that doesn't happen too often, bro. But I don't know. I guess it's a part of the fun too. Sometimes the dreams that stand out the most are the ones that come when I'm wanting to give up and I have to force myself to go talk to people or to go contact someone. Those are the kind of the stories that stand out the most in the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. So there was a time when you were on news hub and basically you got three dreams and what one go, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. So I have to, yeah, yeah. So there are times where you do do a few in a day like say doing the wiggles or stuff like that, 660. Um, but I have to, I still, I basically still film one every day, but I have to edit every day. And that takes me like an hour or two. Um, sometimes it takes longer if I get real, try to get real creative with it. Um, but essentially, yeah, there's a, there's a lot more behind the scenes. It's not just filming and editing anymore. It's email. It's thousands of emails. It's driving, it's traveling, it's, meeting with people it's it's definitely yeah it probably takes like three or four hours a day of my time i'd say but i don't know man i love it i i love talking to people about their dreams it's like the best topic to talk to anyone about in any situation because everyone can answer it everyone can talk about it no matter who they are even if it's like a three-year-old you know yeah, I don't know if I answered the question or not, but uh, no, you did, you did. Uh, but it's 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 still interesting, regardless. So thank it's, you, bro. It, yeah, yeah, it's fascinating stuff. So how did you get some of these dudes like Stevo to do it? <laughs> uh, yeah, man. So I've 
I've been very lucky and I've done, uh, I think nearly 500 celebrities now in the last four years. And honestly, bro, it's a mix of guessing emails, hustling into doors, connecting with people and contacting managers. It's a mix of everything. Steve-O specifically, I contacted someone in his team and they never got back to me. And then like a couple of days later, Steve-O emailed me personally and was like, yeah, let's do it. So that, that one kind of, <laughs> I knew, yeah, no one ever got back to me saying they passed my email on or anything. He just hit me up, which is buzzy as man. Um, yeah. His dream was pretty powerful as well, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I heard it. Um, no, it was, it was but cool. Yeah. But I think guessing emails has been my kind of my main thing. Hey, eh? I've, I've sent more than 35,000 emails now in four what? years. And you, you just start, to, you just start to figure out patterns of what people's emails are, how to contact them, how to guess their emails. And it's so fun. I freaking love it, man. And it's, it's got me into lots of big doors. <laughs> That's crazy. So on a, on a daily basis, how many times would you sit at your email and just email random, random emails? And how many would you so get? I've got this back? thing. Oh, bro, lots. Yeah. Probably like 40%, 50% bounce back. Oh, yeah. But uh, thank goodness they bounce back. Otherwise, I'd never know. Yeah. I've got this thing here. I don't know if you're recording video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I've got a hundred, I've got a hundred paper clips here. Okay. I have to, every time I send an email every day, I have to put one of the paper clips into this jar. So I have to send 100 emails every day minimum. And over a year, I think it comes to 30,000 emails or something. But uh, yeah, so it's, it's just a habit, I guess I've gotten into. Um, but yeah, it's pretty fun, man. And it's pretty crazy when you actually guess someone's email and they get back to you. Like that's pretty buzzy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. So how long does it take you to send 100 emails a day? Because what, do you already have the emails planned as to what you're going to send? Nah. Or do you just sit there and be like, okay, I'll try this. Who do I want to... <laughs> yeah, it's usually like, um, I kind of go off what happens in the day. So if I'm like watching something or scrolling on Facebook, usually something will pop up that makes me go, oh, I should contact Steve-O. Like I just like, I think last two weeks ago, I saw they were making a new Jackass film. And I was like, oh, I haven't reached out to Steve-O or Johnny Knoxville. That's why I contacted Steve-O. Mm. Um, Ed Westwick, who's Chuck Bass and Gossip Girl. I was talking to a girl over lockdown and she kept sending me Chuck Bass gifts on Instagram. And I was like, man, it would be such a baller move if I got Chuck Bass's dream to impress her. And so that's why I reached out and I ended up getting his dream, which ended up being a baller move. Um, it definitely worked with impressing her, but, uh, yeah, I kind of just sit down. It's probably two or three hours a day. Um, and I just kind of figure, I just figure out, um, who don't want an email. And I just kind of go through people that I look up to and I go down rabbit holes and I just go into random people. And then I just kind of probably spend five to 10 minutes, five minutes on each person, five to 10 minutes. And that could be like five, six, seven emails that I kind of guess or contact managers, publicists, their wives, their husband. That's how I got all the all blacks. I went in through their wives 
which turned out, which actually turns out to be a really great end to people as well, going through family. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of the time I do it late at night because America and England, when we're asleep, that's when they're most, most active for female. Yeah. So 4am to 7am is when everyone in America will email you. Oh, yeah. Back. So there's no point sending emails during the day. You have to, so I send emails at like 10 p.m. till 1 a.m. And then I wake up and I've got like 15 emails back. So it is timing as well. You got to know when people will be at their email. I also signed up for, I also pay for this thing where I can see if people are opening my emails. So I can see how many times they open it, whether they're clicking on my Dropbox link that I send through. That's like changed my life. I only got that like two months ago. So for instance, I know Chris Hemsworth's looked at my email five times, but then they haven't got back to you, but then you just follow up every two weeks. You just keep following up, following up, following up until one day they, they get back to you basically. Yeah. Basically they but can't you ignore you forever. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to do it respectfully. I've burned a lot of bridges and uh, you can also see where people block you as well. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, oh, had, I, um, should, I should get that I had, because I email people and I don't <laughs> bro, know. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. they've seen it. Cause you know how sometimes stuff can be filtered out or it goes into their spam folder or it goes mm. to their secretary. So you don't actually know, like if somebody replies and says, nah, I'm not interested. Then I'm like, okay, all good. At least I got a response, yeah. but it's just when yeah. you get nothing then you're like, you don't really know. So yeah, that's, that's, that's a good idea, bro. But change your life, man. It's incredible. Yeah. You like see like some people open it like 30 times and they still don't get back to you, but you're like, you looked at it 30 times. Surely you find it interesting. So then you just keep following up and then they get back to you at some point. But uh, I, I've been a bridge with um, uh, the main chick from big bang theory. Oh, Kaylee, um, Kaylee Kuko. Kuoko, yeah. Kuk- Cookie? Yeah, yeah, she yeah, blocked yeah. me. Yeah, I, I kind of, I went, I went too hard, too fast, and she blocked me. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's all fun though when that happens, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool, man. That's cool. So that's yeah. how you do it. I might have to take some of your tips and apply it with me. Yeah, but then a- I would say, bro, it, it is a lot easier getting dreams now. It took me probably two or three years before people started saying yes. So it's kind of like a domino effect. Um, once you get celebrities, you get more celebrities. So like, I remember day five, my fifth day of doing this, I got like a local MP in Glen Eden. <laughs> and I was like, Oh my gosh, I've done it. I've reached the top. I've got a local MP in my Instagram thing. <laughs> and it's, and, you know, so it's, it's amazing how you, you know, it's just, you'd start small and you just kind of build it up and it helps. I've got a book deal with penguin random house now. So in the subject line, it's like penguin random house, 10,000 dreams. And there's also a film studio that I'm potentially doing a documentary with. So there's all of that stuff as well. That gives you immense credibility when approaching people. Um, but it, my wording is different too. When I first started emailing people, I said, would you like to be a part of my video blog and i got so many no's because video blog just didn't sound strong enough and now i say i run a global movement and it's still the same thing but just the way i word it now global movement captures your attention way more 
than video blog. So it's all about how you conduct your email as well. The subject heading, how you talk. Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely an art to it, but it, it took me quite a few years to get to a point where I felt confident just firing off thousands of emails and yeah, but I, I've been turned down by everyone in entertainment. I'd say at least once everyone's turned me down. <laughs> and then you just keep, keep at it. Keep yeah. At it. Yeah. Bro. Yeah. Then you go back six months later because a lot of the time they forget and then you reapproach them and you make a stronger email and then you get a yes or you go two years later, you know, um, like I was turned down by John key four times before I got a stream. took me two and a half years, three years to get a stream. Um, so yeah, bro, you just perseverance, man. Yeah. Oh, that's definitely something I can play. What's your, what's your go-to bro? How do you approach people? Do you just go through the DMS or email or, uh, it's multiple things. So I might have someone on and they might suggest someone or, you know, they might know someone who knows someone or they'll email, mm. uh, for me, or they'll give me that person's contact details and that's how I get them on. Then other times yeah. it's just me just somehow finding their contact details, whether it's on their website or through social media. Uh, but yeah, those are probably the main the main ways but then obviously i get people yeah. reaching out to me as well who want to be on here but it gets to a point where you start getting so many requests that you're like okay i actually can't do everybody that wants to be on yeah. here so um i'm gonna have to be a bit more picky and choosy in terms of how i do it yeah. and then it's and then it's trying to make sure that it's diverse in terms of subject matter as well because i don't want to be talking about the same thing all the time so yeah exactly yeah, so it, it's what's, it's cool. What's been the podcast that stood out the most to you, bro? I'm I flipping think, this. Oh, you're flipping <laughs> it on me, bro. This happens sometimes. Um, so I got I got the the composers of Dragon Ball Z, the English double. Oh, Dragon yeah. Ball Z. yeah, and I was, That's and sick. not only that, but because they were a big influence in me becoming a musician. So that was like a major one. And I'm like the first person in the world to do a podcast with them. How'd you get them? Well, funny, funny thing is I'm on this Facebook group, uh, which has like that. Basically there's a group of fans who are dedicated to trying to uh, get the music from the, the Blu-rays. So what they do is they take the Japanese, um, the Japanese soundtrack or the, and the, the English audio, and then somehow you invert that with the English uh, soundtrack and the English dub, and somehow it erases all the, all the uh, dialogue and just leaves the music. It's a real fine art to it, and they release that music on this Facebook group. And one of the guys who was the composer, he was on the Facebook group. And bro, I just seriously was just, I just decided to message him and be like, hey, would you do a podcast and stuff? And like, I hadn't done any internationals at that point and he agreed to do it. And I thought it was just going to be him. And he's like, Oh, how about I get the other guys who also composed on it on there as well? I was like, Oh, okay. Sweet as. Oh, cool. So yeah, I had a chat with them. Like, I think the podcast is about an hour and 10 or an hour and 15, but I talked to them for about two, two hours or two and a half hours. And they were like the nicest dudes, man. Right. Yeah, yeah. But that was kind of like the stepping stone in terms of getting other internationals. Yeah. Like once I got them, yeah. like it, it kind of legitimized it a bit more. Exactly. 
Yeah. yeah. So who's just, uh, who's number one on your dream list? In terms of well, the, I think in terms of New Zealanders, uh, Peter Jackson is the number number one guy. Um, he's he's the number one guy I'd want to get on here primarily because I can't think of anyone in the last fifty years that's had more yeah. of a profound impact on the country than him. I mean, there's definitely a before and after with Lord of the Rings. In terms of internationals, I mean, that's yeah. so hard to answer. Um, there's so many. Like um, Eminem would be a big one, but I know he never does interviews. So like, it's yeah. like a, that's like a really, um, yeah, that's, that's a hard, hard one. Um, but then there's like, who else? Like Christopher Nolan would be another one. Um like even like wrestlers, like the undertaker or something. Like, there's just so many. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 So like, yeah, I just reach out to people just like you. Sometimes I get a reply. Sometimes I don't. The hardest thing for me is when there's people I want to reach out to and I don't even know how to contact them. Maybe I should just do what you do and just guess an email. Bro, that's the fun part. When the, there are some people where there is nothing, there is no way that you know how to get in touch. They're the fun people to go after, bro. Yeah. You got to get that so you get creative. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I should just do it actually. I should just set some time aside and then try and figure out their email. So I, I imagine with you, you use a template or do you craft an yeah, individual response? For, yeah, because that would take way too long. Yeah. To craft <laughs> an individual response. Bro, for that would each be Now nah, that would be our rate of name job because you got a name job when you're approaching some of these people. And I probably name job 15 celebrities in each email. Yeah. And I cater those, the names towards who the person is. Mm. So if it's a tennis player, I'll cater them towards mainly athletes I've done. And if they're in film, I'll go hard in film and that way it kind of, it, and then you also look into who they're friends with, you know, it definitely helps if they see you've already filmed some of their mates. That yeah. definitely helps, um, especially in New Zealand. Like that's, yeah. So I put a little bit of effort into that. There are times where um, I screw up on the old email and I accidentally forget to change a name on the subject. Uh, well, one, one, for instance, uh, I got Tyker's personal email earlier this year and I, I set up the email. It was all good. I was like, sweet. I sent it away. And uh, I realized that I, in the subject line, it was uh, to Fleetwood Mac and not Taika Waititi. (laughs) (laughs) So that happens quite a lot where you totally screw up and um, usually they never get back to you when that happens. (laughs) I was hoping he'd see the humor in it, but uh, it probably looks a bit cheap as well when you do that. It It definitely looks dirty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, yeah. I've actually, that's happened to me a few times as well. I was, um, I was watching, I was watching a trailer for Tenet. This was ages ago, like the film Tenet. And, um, well, I was watching it on one screen and then I had one of my podcasts up on the other and I was, um, messaging Jason Gunn and so I sent him this message and I was supposed to include a reference to the podcast but I accidentally copied the wrong thing and I based it like Tenet in the the message thing safe to say he never replied eh? I was like that's that's a fail that's a fail 
I'm like, oh, there's, there's no chance that that's happening now. <laughs> I feel like he's like the nicest guy in the world. I feel like he would do this cracked up at that. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. Yeah, I, I, I sent a follow-up saying, oh, sorry, wrong video. And I was like, oh, oh that's an epic fail, man. <laughs> Bro, yeah. The worst is um, in person where you screw up. I, um, I did Jack Goodhue's dream at the start of this year. And I started talking to him and I was like, dude, what's like, so what's it like living in Hamilton? What's Hamilton like? What's it like being with the chiefs? And I just went on for a few minutes and he looked blank as, and I wondered why. And I didn't know why I just kept going on about Hamilton. Oh, I like this about Hamilton. This is a cool place there. Have you gone there? And he's like, dude, you know, I play for the Crusaders. And I'm like, Oh, I, I thought he was a chief. I don't know why I thought he was a chief. And I just went on and it's just like, Oh, it's, you just can't recover from those. It's so bad in person when it happens. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an epic fail. And it's like, Oh, I'm just glad no one else is here to see this. Cause it's like, <laughs> it's like, Oh, uh, you put that in the vault. <laughs> That's never coming out, eh? Yeah. Luckily, oh, I, I don't think I've had yeah. any of those moments live on air, <laughs> but I've just had moments where like, I fob out and I'm like, oh. and then like, when I'm editing it later on, I'm like, oh, that was an epic fail. But that's just, it's just how it is. Are you a bit of a perfectionist? It is. Oh, hell yeah, man. Um, I've, I've refilmed so many dreams because... I hated the lighting. So I'll film <laughs> someone's dream. I'll edit it. I'll literally edit it. I'll spend two hours editing it. I'll export it and I'll go, uh, I can do better. And then I contact them and say, can we please refilm it? <laughs> um, it's definitely something I need to work on. I, I can spend wait. I probably spend like half an hour doing the thumbnail. It's really, it, it can be painful sometimes, bro. But at the same time, I don't know, there's a Will Smith quote that goes like, how do you build a wall? Just make one perfect brick, that brick at a time. And before you know it, you'll have a wall. And I'm just like, each day, if I can just do the, perf- the best I possibly can with how I'm feeling that day, then it, you know, it will add up, it will add up at some point. Um, but I, oh, bro, yeah, crazy perfectionist. Um, yes, yeah, so, sometimes I spend like, 45 minutes setting up a shot it uh, it used to be in and out in like two minutes with people and now i've got i've started to get way more arty with it because you know i'm doing this every day for 27 years you know you want to spice it up and you want to push yourself as a filmmaker but sometimes bro you can just you can just see people's demeanor just go down bro like they're all excited that oh, i can't wait i can't wait 45 minutes later they're just like flat bro they just like are you kidding me <laughs> it's just it's, it's, it's i feel so bad man but it is what it is bro and it's yeah i'm a perfectionist that's who i am so i don't think i'd change it i kind of like that it forces me to put so much effort into it each day but it can be tough bro especially when it's like new year's eve and you're editing at like 9 p.m on new year's eve in the middle of a party you're sitting on the couch in the corner and you're spending like two hours editing and you're missing the night. That's when it's painful when your perfectionism won't let you just quickly whip something together in like 20 minutes. 
So it's something I've got to work on. Eh? Yeah. Are you single? Are you or you're in a relationship? I'm single, bro. Oh, bro. It'll get really <laughs> hard once you're in a relationship. That's why you got to find yeah, yeah. one that's I've, willing to support you for these next what twenty seven years. Yeah. You're like, yo, this, yeah, this, yeah, this is what yeah, I got to do. Yeah, I was up until mid last year. I was in a very serious relationship, and it was tough, bro. It definitely takes up date time. It takes up time together, but it's I know, way hey, it's tough, eh? Hey? It's um. When I first started, it was just banter, really. There was no big purpose behind it. It was just a bet that I'd do it for one year. That was the goal for one year. It, was, it didn't start as 10,000. That would have been crazy. Um, but when I made the jump to 10,000, it didn't seem like it was a big deal to me. I was like, oh, sweet. I just do 10,000 days now. But I don't think I realized the impact it would have in people around me and my family's life. And now it actually does take up so much time and it's Christmas. It's everything, you know, it's, there's no days off. Um, so it's, yeah, it's something I've, I'm starting to figure out, man, I'm going to have to find balance and I'm going to have to be more disciplined maybe with getting them done at a certain point and stopping myself and saying, I can't eat it longer than an hour or I don't know what it is, bro. But, uh, yeah, I know I've learned, I've learned a lot about life doing this and I've, uh, yeah, it's been a buzzy journey there. Yeah. I think sometimes for creative people, it's hard, like, because when you're crafting something, right, you want it to be perfect. You want it to be right. And yeah. um, there's actually a number of people I've spoken to creatives like musicians, for example, where they're actually glad they have a deadline. So um, I just spoke yeah. to Jim Johnston, who used to be the composer at um, WWE. He was there for like 30 years, oh, and, like crafted like all the themes and stuff. And he said, because um, he recently, he got fired a couple of years ago. And he was saying that he's learned now that he actually appreciated having deadlines because it would force him to finish something. Good. Whereas now he has all this free time and he doesn't have to answer to, to anybody and as a result, he, he finds he gets a new idea and then he starts on something else and then he doesn't finish all these other ideas that he has. So, yeah, yeah I, I sometimes deadlines are a good thing. Sometimes, like, I have to do that with myself. Otherwise, I'd be editing forever or trying to cut out every time I say um or ah or fobbing out or whatever. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I do understand your pain, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, all a balance. Yeah, bro. I, that's true. Like, Actually, bro, some of the dreams that stand out the most to me, I had a strict editing deadline, actually, now, now that I think of it. Like, I did Drax, Drax Project in February, and I had half an hour before I had to leave the house. Like, I had to leave the house in half an hour. And I had all four dreams, and I was going to put all four into one video and make a little video of all four dreams. And I literally had half an hour to edit it and export it and do everything, post it. And it was, it was raw as heck. And I kind of played that as the style to make it raw, but it was probably one of my favorite dreams now in hindsight, but I had half an hour, bro. It was intense, but yeah, it's when I had too much time and I spent three hours editing a dream, you know, that that's when it's too much. And that's when it kind of, you lose that creativeness with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, maybe a missus will, uh, get rid of that for you 
<laughs> yeah. Women women have a way of doing that. <laughs> Be true. like, hey, hey, I'm the priority. <laughs> Not that video. <laughs> it's hard, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like you must have days. So you have days, I imagine, where you're just like down, like really, really down. Mm. Like how do you how do you get yeah. out of that state that 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 almost like a blockage where you just see everything through a negative lens. Yeah. Like what's, what's your go-to to kind of get out of that state? Is there a person? I you think the thing, yeah. I think the thing that I'm lucky that I've got is I'm, I'm very aware when I'm in a slump and I'm very aware when I'm feeling crap. Mm. So if I feel crap, I won't feel crap for too long. So it, it might be a day, but it will never be a week. It will never be a month. It will only be a period. And so if it's if I'm feeling crap, I might give myself a morning off or I might just watch a movie or something. I'll just do something and I'll kind of allow myself to kind of just stop. Uh, I don't know. Usually I find like if I go exercise or if I have like coffee, or something, something that can just pump me up for a little bit. And then I kind of force myself into it. Like no one wants to sit down and go, I have to send 100 emails in the next three hours. Like no one wants to do that. Like that is not fun. Mm. But 10, 10 emails in, it's the funnest thing in the world. And I'm hooked. It's just forcing yourself. You know, sometimes I just have to force myself to do it, you know? Um, and I think when it comes to dreams where I really am feeling crap and I don't want to do it, a lot of the time I just procrastinate and wait until I have to do it. You know, I know I have to by midnight post a dream. Like I have to, like there is no exception to that rule. So I just procrastinate until 10 PM and then I'll go, okay, I have to do it now. Like I've got no choice and I get my ass up and I do it, you know? that's a bad day when I really have nothing in me to do it. But, uh, yeah, like you said, deadlines, bro, give me yourself set goals. Or I went through quite a like traumatic thing last year and I was pretty out of it for a few months. I still did this every day and I still did stuff, but my dad helped me to go just do one thing a day one thing like just say today i'm just going to do a dream and i'm not going to do anything else i'm just going to send two emails and and i had to build myself up and that was coming out of a really bad period which was probably the biggest slump i guess i've ever had but it's just baby steps say but uh in terms of in the moment motivating yourself i don't know i it could be a nap it could be it could just be scrolling YouTube for like 20 minutes or just doing something just to allow yourself to like stop for a brief moment. Um, but yeah, with dreams, it's usually procrastination is my go-to and then I just, I have to do it and I do it. Yeah. Mm. But then there have been times where I've been very fortunate and luck has come in. I've got a story. I was in um, America last year. I did five weeks of dreams in America and I was in San Francisco and I got Mark Cuban's personal email address and I sent him an email and I didn't get back. So a few days later, I sent him another email and I didn't get back. So every few days I just kept emailing him because I was in America. He's in America. And I was like, I, I want to get Mark Cuban's dream. And I, w I was in 
uh, what was it called? Golden Gate Park. And it was like 7 p.m. at night. And I had no dream. So I went to the park, the biggest park in San Francisco. And I was like, I'm going to film a dream right now. So I start looping the park and I ask 15 people, can I ask you what your dream is? Every single one of them say no, which is very rare. Maybe two, three max, never 15. Like it was bad. Everyone in this entire park said no to me. I even went up to a group of stoners who are hidden in like a corner. And I said, I will give you $20 American, 20 American dollars if you give me your dream. And they all said no. <laughs> no one was even taking money from me. It was painful, bro. It was insane. And I looped this park three times. And now it's getting late. The sun is setting. And now I'm getting, now I'm freaking out basically because no one was saying yes to me at all. And I, I checked my phone and I checked my emails. And I had an email from Mark Cuban and he had sent through his dream. And I was like, what the heck? Yeah. And there you go. I, I had the dream for the day. It was Mark Cuban. So there have been times where luck has come in an immense way. And I've been, so like you do have days where you're like, I do not want to film a dream today. Please, please God, can someone send through their dream over email today? I just, I just have nothing in me to go find someone on the street. And it happens. There are times where it happens. Like Steve Wozniak, the co-founder of Apple. Yeah, I he, saw that. Yeah, two months ago, I did his dream. And his came on one of those days where I just felt crap. And I was like, I do not want to do a dream today. And then I just got an email from Steve Wozniak. And I emailed him like four months earlier. And he never got back to me. And I totally forgot that I sent an email to him. And it just came through. And it was Steve Wozniak's dream. I'm like, are you kidding me? And then six months ago, Andy Murray the tennis player. He also, the same thing happened. I was just, it was like eight o'clock at night and it was my brother. It was my nan's birthday. And I was so not in the mood to do a dream. It was late at night and I hadn't done a dream yet. And then I go check my email and there's an, a dream from Andy Murray come through. Um, we transfer. And it's just like, are you kidding me? So there are times where you get very lucky. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, sounds it. That's not always the case. Like those are very extreme examples, but uh, yeah, just got forced. You just got to do it, man. Like, yeah, nothing. There'd be nothing worse than giving up a life mission because I felt like I couldn't be asked going to film a dream. You know, it's kind of like short. It would, yeah, it'd be so sad, bro. If I just felt lazy one day and said, ah, screw it. I'm going to quit like that. Nah, I would, I'd regret that so much. Eh? Yeah. Well, as time goes on, the, the platform itself will get bigger, I suppose. Like, and your following will get bigger and um, it might kind of be like a feedback loop in terms of like, you might get all these sponsors and all this money and stuff, which reaffirms you doing it. Yeah. Like when, and also like you, you have more to lose. The longer this goes on, the longer the more you lose, right? Oh so, yeah, yeah. So Absolutely. because especially if like you were to give up, I don't know, in five years or something, then kind of in a way, up to that point would all be in vain, right? Yeah, bro. Yeah. It would so be, you have like, to complete the mission. You have to complete the task. 
And that looks mean on the CV, bro. bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, look at this. Oh, bro, I'm you. committed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a, yeah, bro. I think that's a lot of um, a lot of people in the older generations have said to me that the thing they're most impressed about by what I'm doing is the fact that a young person is playing a massive long game. Because I think they said that a lot of people, our generation, are in it for the short game. They want instant gratification. They want the instant fame, instant success. They don't want the long route. And what I'm doing is a flippin' marathon. It is the long game, you know? There is no instant gratification. It's gonna take me 27 years to accomplish my goal. Um, and that's, yeah, I've had a lot of older people say that they've been impressed by that. And like we said with the CV thing, it actually has, it's opened a lot of doors because I think people have seen that if you can commit to something that long-term, then you could be trustworthy in other areas or, but, but yeah, man, but it's, I know I love crazy stuff. Like doing one year of this was way harder than doing four years. Cause when it was just one, when one year was my goal, it felt too easy. It wasn't easy, but it felt too easy. Cause it felt, it didn't like, if I say I'm doing 365 dreams, it's not that, massive it doesn't feel that captivating but when you're saying you're doing ten thousand, it feels more exciting it feels like you're on this massive quest you know like i'm an explorer of something and so kind of the longer the bigger the dream is the more passion i feel behind it which is really it's always how i've been wired like if it's not crazy enough it's almost for me not worth doing like no matter what it is, I want to set a crazy goal, you know, like for the book I'm writing right now, my big goal is to get JK Rowling to write the forward. And that's near impossible, but that drives me so much because it's so impossible, you know, whereas, yeah, it, I know. So I don't even know what the question was, bro. I think I totally went off course there. <laughs> I don't even <laughs> I don't even know what the question was. I can't even remember but, the question now either. Like it's 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 fine because I'm just so focused on what you're saying. I don't even remember what I originally asked you, but it's, it's all good. It's all good, man. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. So do you have, do you have haters though? Do you have people like being like, oh nah, man, why are you wasting your time? Why are you doing it? Or does everybody is everybody uh, really supportive? I think that's the thing I've been most surprised about. I think it's usually the reaction is almost identical whenever I tell someone about what I'm doing. I think most people are instantly, it seems everyone gets it. So everyone understands it. It's, it's never like people are like, oh, that makes no sense. Why would you do that? Like everyone seems to go, wow, that's awesome. I, I get it. So there was more hate for my camera style. Up until like the start of this year, I did this thing called Drunk Fraser, which was the focus was very in and out. I roasted, bro. Um, I did a campaign with the All Blacks last year and they posted all the dreams on their platforms. And I got like 50 or 60 DMs and people were like, destroying me bro they're like you're the michael j fox of camera work like do you have parkinson's disease 
you're like the worst cinematographer ever. And like people were just attacking me and it was amazing. I was like, this is great, bro. Like, you know, <laughs> at least they're like commenting on it. Like, I'm, I think it's hilarious. Like people thought I was that bad at camera work that this was not deliberate. They thought my in and out focus was just me being bad at focusing. <laughs> and that made me laugh so much. Um, that would be, you would be a horrendous cameraman if that was on purpose. Like that would be really bad if you couldn't keep focus like that. But that's probably the closest I've got to haters. Um, I think maybe like when I first started, people kind of were like, are you really going to do that? You know, like when you say I'm doing this thing called 10,000 dreams and everyone's like, wow, that's amazing. How long have you done it for? Oh, two weeks. It's kind of like they roll their eyes and they're like, uh, yeah, you're right. You're not going to do it. You're going to give up, you know? So it's kind of awkward for the first like year, I reckon, where it felt like I hadn't earned that respect yet or I hadn't earned it yet. Um, now people, you know, nearly 1500 days in people like, okay, yeah, you're going to do it. Yeah. You know, if you can do 1500 days, you can definitely do 10,000 days. Um, so I think there's a lot less hate, but, uh, I don't know. I, I hope there's more to come. I hope there's a lot more hate to come. Cause it, I think that's a good thing, bro. When people, you know, you want to do stuff that people either love or hate. I don't want to do stuff that people just don't care about. You know, you want them to yeah. feel one end of the spectrum. I reckon. Well, what's the saying? You're not successful until you have haters. That's the, that's <laughs> the line. So yeah. But Honestly, there's so much of the stuff that you're saying I can resonate with, right? Because even when I started mm. out doing podcasting, and they'd be like, oh, how long have you been doing podcasting? I'd be like, oh, like a month. <laughs> like, okay. Because <laughs> you know, there's a lot of people out there, they get to about episode seven and they're like, oh, the hell with this. This is too hard. Because it, yeah. it's, it's really, really time consuming. I think people just think, oh, you can just talk on a microphone and just have a conversation and then that's it. But is not, there's actually so much more involved. So the longer I do this, the more legitimate it makes the platform. Yeah. Right? And same with you, the longer you do it, the more guests you have. Yeah. It's like a, it's a compounding effect. And Absolutely. Um, uh, how many, um, how many episodes have you done? Uh, I think this will be episode 75. Good on you, bro. When yeah. did you start? Last June. Wow. Good yeah. Yeah, so I try to do about one a week, I think. Like, I yeah. release one a week, but I might do, say, three in one week and then spread them over three weeks. It really just depends. Yeah. Um, but like you, you know, I email so many people. Sometimes I get replies, sometimes I don't. Um, yeah, it, yeah. All do, it all just depends. It's probably, I mean, it's probably a bit easier in your regard because, like, they only have to, if you're emailing someone and you're asking them for a dream, right, they only have to send, like, a minute worth yeah of something right so it might take like five minutes yeah. of your time which is real good for you so mm. there's probably a high probability that you could probably get anyone to do it unless they're yeah, ridiculously it's, it's... lazy or they literally have no time or they just can't be asked like you could probably even get like joe biden you know or someone to do it like at some point like you actually have right. no limitations, really. Like, I seriously, well, there is no excuse yeah. for anyone saying no to <laughs> you in my, in my mind. I'm like, nah, unless you're literally, like, dying, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, 
I think I think it's possible. So, bro, but you would be amazed how many people I've contacted who are well known who say I don't have a dream, so they decline it. And I'm like, really? You don't have a dream? You're like someone I look up to. What? It's it's really weird, bro. Some people just genuinely don't have a dream, and really? they're like, I don't want to do it because I don't have a dream. It's just so make one up? surprising. Just be like, hey, just know, make right? one up. <laughs> All good. <laughs> well, unless they're yeah. like they've literally achieved their dream and everything they've set out to do, but then, yeah. um, but then you could say that that could be your answer. Like that's a cool answer when someone's like, I've I've lived my dream. Yeah. Like I I was saying that's a great answer, right? But yeah, man, go- you're right. Like, oh, you go. No, no, no. You you go. What were you going to say? I actually forgot. <laughs> oh no okay, you go. i'm I right about forgot. about how um i i'm i'm gonna assume what you were gonna say was in regards to no limitations in terms of people can make the time to send you a dream was it something revolving around that i think it was yeah i think it was you you go first and then i'll see if i can remember it <laughs> I can't even remember what I was going to say now. Um, it's late. It's late in the day. <laughs> um, do you do um, do you do freelancing work? Is that what you do outside of this this thing that you do? Yeah. Yeah, bro. I run a film company, so I've run one technically since I was seven years old. So that was my dream. I've, it was since I was seven years old to be a filmmaker. Um, but I've run it officially for five years now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's, what, what, what happens if your film company like becomes like wetter and then becomes so big that you have no time? <laughs> how, how are you going to balance the, the dream thing? You might have to hire a secretary. Time, You'll have to hire a secretary, <laughs> like your, your dream secretary or something. You know how yeah. Peter, Peter Jackson had like second unit and third unit with like Lord yeah. of the Rings? You might have to do that. You might have to have a dream second unit and a third unit <laughs> if, if your bro, film well, company blows up. Yeah. Well, I've, I've, got to, I've got to make it work, bro. So it's, it is an non-negotiable whether I have to do lunchtime or night, wake up at – I mean, I wake up at like 4 a.m. every day. So, I mean, I just might have to utilize those early hours a lot more um, in that regard. But, bro, I mean – Hopefully, the longer this goes, the easier it will be to get people and the more people will come and want to be a part of it, which has happened quite a lot now where people reach out to film their dreams. Um, but I, I don't know, man, like I kind of don't want to give the emailing thing to anyone else. Like that's the fun part, bro. I, I love the chase, eh? Hey? Mm. I, I know and I also know that as it grows bigger, there will be less chase. Like it will become way easier to get people as this goes on. So in 10 years time, it could be too, it could be real easy and you could have to turn down people that you look up to, you know? And I, I kind of, I'm, that's why I'm milking this period right now where there's, you can get, I can get into doors at the moment cause I've got enough credibility, but there's still enough chase. There's still enough where I have to push myself in a little bit. Cause I know one day it won't be there. I know one day it will be a lot easier getting into doors and I kind of, I don't know. I think that'll be, that'll be cool, but it'll also be sad. I reckon mm. like, I don't know. There's something about knowing that it's, 
it's near impossible to get into some doors. And then when you get in those doors, it's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, probably will. I know. I know. I, I mean, people say, why don't you just film like 10,000 in like five years and just knock it out way faster. But to me, it's not about the number, bro. It's about the journey. You know, um, it's my Everest. You know, I want, I want to grow. I'll grow as I do this. Cameras will evolve. Technology will change. Social media will change. Like someone said to me recently that I'm kind of like a historian. And when I film a dream, it becomes archive and history. So you look back in the last four years and you can see what was happening in the world through the dreams. So this year you've got normal dreams, normal dreams, iPhone, 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 and you got, Oh, COVID. And then, I did a week during Black Lives Matter. Dreams focused around that, and they were in black and white. And then you see, oh, you can just look back at the timeline and you can see what was happening in the world based on the dreams. So it's, I love, I love, I, I just, we've, I'll be so excited when I look back at 10,000 dreams and I'll see how the world's changed over 27 years. You'll see technology change. Hopefully, I'll have kids and you'll see my kids grow up. And I'd love, you know, when you talked about the assistant thing, it'd be awesome to have like a kid one day that wanted to be a filmmaker that kind of did it with me. And we teamed up to film dreams and I could watch them grow up doing it. And then they start filming dreams with me. I, that would be so cool, bro. And I think if you just knock out 10,000 in five years, you lose that. It's not about, it's not about getting to 10,000 dreams. It's about the journey of getting to 10,000 dreams. Yeah. That's amazing, bro. And good way to look at it, actually. And I suppose in your case, yeah. well, and even in my case, but with COVID, using that that negative and spinning it into a positive because yeah, although we've got it pretty good here in New Zealand, around the world, you know, people are in lockdown. They can't do much. So they actually have a lot more free time. So yeah. that means that you have more of a chance of contacting some of these people or them agreeing to do it because maybe they're just going out of their minds being confined <laughs> yeah. to house arrest. 100%. Yeah. Have you found that? Have you got more podcast interviews since COVID? Uh, yeah. Well, originally, cause originally I was going to keep mine all studio based, uh, which made it very, very difficult being based out of Hamilton. Uh, and I was thinking, yeah. how am I going to do this? Cause most of the yeah. time riders either in Auckland or Wellington. So I was like, how am I going to make this work? And I was actually contemplating moving back to Auckland at one point. But then when COVID hit uh, and everybody started adapting the Zoom model, including people of the industry standard, like even people like Jimmy Kimmel and Stephen Colbert and stuff, I was like, yeah. oh, okay, this is accepted now. People don't have a problem yeah. with it. it. People will accept it like this. So I was like, okay, cool. Well, then I'll adapt this model. I don't have any limitations anymore. I can talk to anyone and everyone. And that's when I started focusing more national and international. Because as opposed to before, I was focusing more on uh, the Waikato and Auckland. Those were kind of like my two places. Yeah. And then I've kind of ventured out since then. So I'm kind of using COVID as an opportunity. Bro, I love that, man. It's the only way to look at it, eh? It's happening. You know? Yeah. There's nothing we can do about it. It's happening. So... You either adjust or, yeah. Like I, I found it to be an absolute blessing with what I was doing. 
like it, it kind of opened up massive doors for me. Um, mm. cause I never accepted anyone sending through their dream ever until COVID. And I realized now having all these awesome, amazing dreams being sent through how many people I probably missed out on because I was just stuck to, I have to do it in person, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's funny how that works, man. You know, you had a few days of freaking out when it first happened and lockdown first hit and you're like, I can't film my dreams. And then you realize it was a creative like inspiration. Yeah. No. Cause I was, I was against it at first. People were just saying, just do the, the zoom model. Everyone else is doing it. And I can be quite stubborn yeah. sometimes. And because I studied audio <laughs> engineering, I'm a real um, stickler for like audio. I get yeah. really into the nitty gritty of it. And I don't like it when it's not up to the standard that I expect for it. So that's why I was hesitant to d- adapt the zoom model. But then eventually I was just thinking, nah, there's too many pros to doing it than cons. And even though yeah. I'm, an, I'm an anal retentive when it comes to audio, most people just don't care. <laughs> they just don't, they don't, they don't yeah. see it through the lens that you do. Yeah. Even with you, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure most people don't care that it's on a camera or it's on Zoom. No, nah, man, I'm learning. I've, it took me way too, way too long to understand that it's about the dream, not about the shot. I Probably the first like three and a half years, it was all about the shot for me. Um, way less about the dream. It was about how I shot it. Um, and I actually have a story that the reason I figured that out, I um, in January, I was at the Wiggles. Uh, charity concert in Sydney. It was for the bushfire. It was a bushfire relief concert. And this was the OG Wiggles. And I filmed Greg Pages, who's the yellow one, the main guy. I filmed his dream before they went on stage. And we we filmed in this like really dodgy back room and the lighting was crap. Everything was pretty against me as, you know, as a filmmaker. And my shutter speed was wrong. I like botched the audio everything went bad and I was miserable doing it. And I was like, Oh my, as I was filming it, I knew it was terrible. His dream was amazing, but the shot and everything was terrible. Anyway, he goes backstage to get changed and I go up to him as his tops off and he's getting changed. And I go, Greg, I screwed up the sound. Can we please refilm your dream? And he said, we'll do it after the show. And they go on and they perform for two hours and it was well on media and news and everything. And then he had a cardiac arrest basically right in front of me on side of stage. And yeah, we thought, we thought he died. Basically it was pretty horrendous situation. Um, They blocked the stage paramedics came and you know, I'm there hugging the wiggles as everyone's just breaking down. And in that moment, I realized how special his dream was. I'm like, oh my gosh, luckily he survived and he's doing well. I'm like, that could have been his last moment. I could have captured like his last moment, his last ever interview, his last ever. And now I look at his dream and I'm like, that is freaking powerful. And I don't care that everything else wasn't working. It almost is better now because it wasn't working everything else. It's almost made it more special as a dream. And that was the moment when I realized the dream comes first, but it took me three and a half years to figure that out. Yeah. Luckily coming into COVID. Yeah, but it was pretty, it was a pretty traumatic experience. Um, 
Yeah, it was pretty surreal. Um, I mean, it was surreal enough being there with them anyway. Before that happened, the whole situation was surreal. And then that just made it, like, crazy. Um, but, yeah, luckily that, like, that experience happened before COVID because I think I would have really struggled with iPhone and Zoom dreams if that didn't happen. I would have just gone crazy, I reckon. <laughs> A blessing in disguise. Yeah. Sometimes like you need something really traumatic or some sort of moment that causes you to have a revelation. And sometimes Mm -hmm. it's when you're extremely uh, outside of your comfort zone, usually. Yeah. Yeah. Like I had, I had a few of those when I was in India, I had a a couple of, yeah, yeah. In terms of just things that you take for granted in New Zealand, you know, I think a lot of people complain about New Zealand and that's not to say New Zealand is like some perfect utopia garden of Eden type thing, but um, there's a lot of things that we take for granted here that you just, when you go overseas and you've probably realized this from traveling as well is there's certain things you appreciate more when you come back home. Oh, hell yeah. Because you don't know what you don't know. Right. So when you start experiencing different cultures and different ways of life and seeing different landscapes and how, people live it you can't help but be changed by it in a good way in a good way yeah yeah absolutely man absolutely bro man yeah man this is deep this is probably a good place to wrap up very deep yeah i'll wrap up there uh but hey bro this is a bit amazing man um so if, if people want to follow you on uh social media where do they go where do they uh, so watch the, um, the evolution of this thing? Yeah, bro. So Instagram's the best page, just at Fraser Guru, or just type 10,000 dreams and my name will pop up. Uh, yeah. So yeah, that's, that's probably the best place to follow this mission. Cool, man. Hey, bro, this has been a pleasure, man. We have to catch up in person. I'll buy you a coffee. 100%, bro. Yeah, man. I'll film your dream. Oh, bro, even better. There you go. Sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's the show, everyone. Make sure you share, like, and subscribe. Uh, follow Fraser and um, his amazing journey. It is, it is, yeah, Stop, one bro. of a kind, one of a kind. Yeah. Thank you so much, brother. No worries. All right. Stay safe, everyone. See ya.